right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson. We have a short show today out of 4.30 to scoot over for pregame coverage and then tip off eventually at 6 o'clock with pregame at 4.30 of KU in Oklahoma here on KLWN. So why not, off the bat, talk about KU in Oklahoma? Remember the Groves brothers, Tanner and Jacob Groves. Funny looking guys. Yes, and uh, almost let an upset of Kansas. Which, looking back on it, would you have rather just ripped the Band-Aid off there in the first round no, and not see the it, USC game? Here's why. I, I, I would not, it's not, an unco- it, it's not a silly uh, or, or ridiculous belief for somebody who has that, because KU got absolutely shredded by USC, but I I like right now, particularly because I I remember, you know, throughout the Roy years, KU never lost in the first round. In fact, Roy didn't lose in the first round of the tournament ever until last year. Um, there were some years where he did not make the tournament. Where I think KU, I believe at this moment, not only has the longest streak of making the tournament, it also has the longest streak of first-round wins, and that stayed alive. And look, that's not a huge deal. Like, if you want to tell me, okay, in this year you're going to lose in the first round, but in the next year you're going to win the national championship, I mm-hmm. would make that trade. But knowing that such a trade isn't on the table, I like keeping that. I would like keeping that streak alive. Yeah, I, I would still take it. It's still an NCAA tournament win. It still creates excitement. Um, so I would still take it. But what if I added this caveat? What if I said by Eastern Washington upsetting Kansas, it would have led to the Groves brothers staying at Eastern Washington nah. to come back to six year, and now you wouldn't be worried about them at Oklahoma. I'd still be going to Norman would still be a difficult game. Yeah. So that's not relevant. It's not. I don't think. Look, they're they're good players, especially the tall kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's Tanner. That's isn't it? Tanner. It's, it's Jacob, the younger one. Yes, he, he's, he's the like shooter. The wing. Yeah. yeah. It, he well, the, Tanner showed an ability to shoot. Uh, yeah, in they the both tournament, shot well. But Jacob was KU. more of a primary shooter. Yes, uh, Jacob Tanner, was more of a shooting or, or, wing. Tanner kind of played all over the Tanner place. was like a stretch five. Yeah. And, and Tanner's actually leading Oklahoma in points per game. Um, I don't th- now look, they're good players, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're like I don't think OU is a top ten team nationally because of them. So no, I still would not make that trade because I, I think regardless, you know, Porter Mosier's a good coach. The transfer portal was filled with great players. I think he would have wound up with somebody, and KU or an OU would still be a borderline top twenty-five team, and they would still be a tough draw in Norman, and and a tough draw in Lawrence for that matter. Well, Jacob is more of a rotation player for this team; plays about thirteen minutes. Tanner that, that seemed the case with Eastern Washington as well. Yeah, but he still went off for over twenty in that game, just that one game. Uh, Tanner is, as I said, leading the team in points per game. He's second on the team in rebounds per game. He's third on the team in assists per game, shooting thirty-eight percent from three, fifty-seven from the field. He's been really good. He's on his way to, you know, 
I don't know, like a third team All Big Twelve, All Big Twelve, some sort of recognition. Oh, he'll yeah, he'll get yeah. honorable mention, third teams. I don't know. Has maybe. he got himself a Player of the Week yet? I don't think so. Okay, but he, he yeah, he's he's going to be brought up in the All Big Twelve awards at some he's level. And I think that's where I start with this game. If you're just looking at matchups, David McCormick is coming off that awesome game yep. against West Virginia. And we saw Tanner Groves give Dave the business offensively. He went for 34, 35 points in that game. Eastern Washington was up eight or nine at halftime. KU ended up winning the game uh, by nine points, I think. And at the was other nine end. Or, it was either 94, 83 or 93, 84. Mm-hmm. And at the other end, um, David McCormick, it was his first game back from the COVID pause. And he also, we found this out later in the offseason. I don't know if it happened in this game or the next game or, or whatever. He ended up breaking his foot at some point in that last like week or two of the season and had to get surgery on it over the offseason. That's why he couldn't uh, go test the NBA draft waters. And um, he was unstoppable offensively, too. Uh, he went 9 of 15 from the field, had 23 points in that game. So neither guy could really stop the other. With Groves, it's more about he was hitting threes. If he's not hitting threes to that level, then maybe he'll get lucky there. But I kind of view this as a game where whoever can defend the other team's five better yeah. and take advantage of that more. And, and I will say this. Dave does have a big advantage in terms of Dave is a much better rim protector than Tanner Groves. Dave has been fantastic rebounding the ball and... He is much better at that than Tanner Groves. But basically, you have one guy who, when he's on, he's going to be hitting all these shots inside on the other. We have the other guy, when he's on, he's going to be hitting all these threes over the other. Certainly, threes are worth more than twos. It's just a lower percentage. Yeah. I I think it's just a, you know, uh, who can defend the other guy better in some way. And it's a shame that they don't have anybody else on their team that you could put Dave on. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Tanner's going to be guarding Dave when Kansas has the ball. It's a shame you can't make that trade and be like, all right, Jalen or Christian, guard Tanner when uh, OU is on offense because that then Dave would be even you know in an even worse mismatch um, when OU has the ball. So it, it's, you know, you've got a very clear mismatch from the start. And I, I look, Porter Moser knows more about basketball than me, but just based on what I know and what I think, I got to think that exploiting that matchup is something that they're going to look right at. Well, I think it'll be something where, you know, if KU's able to establish Dave early on to where it's not just we're having to adjust to Tanner Groves, it's also Oklahoma's having to adjust to Dave offensively. That, yeah, if, if, yeah, and, and it ahead. gives him a longer leash. And, and so I think that would be what you're looking for. But if it goes the opposite way, if it goes where Dave – is not having the best offensive game, and Tanner Groves is hitting those threes and, yeah, and yeah. causing matchup nightmares as a stretch five, then maybe we do see some K.J. Adams at the five as a mobile five, or maybe we see some Jalen Wilson at the five. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. and I, I. But I also think if another advantage to whether it be Dave or K.J. or Mitch, if, if, if somebody is forcing, ideally it's Dave, um, but if somebody is forcing... Um, Tanner Groves to work when OU is on defense, you would think, and now this didn't work out in the tournament game because he was still fantastic, but ideally if you force him to work on the defensive end, then you could make him too tired to be overly productive on the offensive end. And if you, you know, if your legs get tired, some of those, those threes start coming up short. Um, again, 
that's a that's a theory that obviously did not pan out at all in the NCAA tournament game because KU did force him to work defensively and he was still incredible on the offensive end. I should probably also mention Oklahoma's backup five. He hasn't shot a lot of threes, he's taken twelve, but he's shooting forty two percent. So pretty much they have a stretch five to some extent. Um, either way, whoever's on the floor. Now, one thing that is uh I guess different about that Eastern Washington game with the Groves brothers and this one is that Eastern Washington did not have a good defense. Oklahoma does. They are 27th in the country in defensive efficiency as that trend continues in the Big 12, 55th in offense. Um, They pretty much do everything well on the defensive end. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the profile. The only category they're not in the top 100 and... I don't know. They're 109th in in two-point defense allowed. Sometimes they can get beat on cuts, which, you know, that's good news for Christian Brown. I know, as Jesse Newell pointed out in his quick scout over in the Kansas City Star, um, but they're top 55 in three-point rate uh, defense. They're top 55 in defensive rebounding. They're top 45 in turnover rate defensively. They're top 65 in effective field goal percentage defensively. Top 55 in steal rate. They're not like... It's not one category where you say, oh, they're top five, top ten in the country in this. Like, they're not absolutely elite at one thing. They're just good at everything. They're not really bad at anything. It adds up to a top 30 defense. Exactly. And um, I don't know. I think you you put, you put hit the nail on the head, Derek, in, in show prep. Where you basically said this is a chance for KU to come up and prove themselves, their proven ability to score against two – Two weeks or two games in a row against really good defense. Yeah. West Virginia was 20th coming into Saturday. I don't know where they fell to after that, but they were 20th coming into Saturday. And you just mentioned OU's 27th. Now, KU showed against a really good defense in Texas Tech, who I think to this point is the best de- defense they've played. They struggled. Iowa State, they struggled. They, they won that game, but they still struggled. They only scored 62 points, and the only player that could really put it in the net for that game was um, was Ochai. But West Virginia was a game against a solid defense, from at least on Ken, by Ken Palm standards, um, that KU really tore apart offensively. And this is a chance for to do that exact same thing. Weirdly enough, Oklahoma's defense is last in, in just conference-only games. And when you look at efficiency and also effective field goal percentage allowed, big reason why is teams are shooting like 39% from them. Uh, from three, but they're also allowing 54% from two, which is eighth in the conference. So in conference-only games, they've struggled a lot more there. I think teams are What did their probably better. look like? Well, I, I think teams, it, it partially with, with conference play, you're probably scouting these teams longer over the course of even the offseason. You're catching some of their games. That's true. You well, know, even, if Porter, scouting report. even though Porter Mosier's the new coach, they probably started scouting their mm-hmm. conference because you know who your conference teams are going to be forever right. ahead you're probably doing it so in the offseason. exactly you're probably even though porter Mosier's new to oklahoma you're probably watching porter Mosier tape in july so from that standpoint maybe they're not this top 30 defense maybe they'll end up a little lower than that uh to your point they did play some good teams in the non-con so it wouldn't just be about beating up bad teams i mean utah state ucf florida arkansas like those are all top 70 teams a couple of them top 40s um i i don't i don't know i i guess they've just been maybe a little more figured out on that end but, but again, it does size. scare me a little bit the fact that 
maybe the best thing they do defensively is that turnover rate, which again has been a problem for Kansas in conference play, though they did a lot better job with it in the game against West Virginia. Uh, we haven't heard about a status for Remy Martin tonight. Certainly how he plays, if he plays, how much he plays, that affects the turnover rate. But if you can get good minutes, even if he's out or not playing as much, from Dewan Harris, from Joe Yesfu, from Bobby Pettiford, whatever uh, I guess combination you're using there, I think you could be okay from the turnover rate because we saw that in the non-con. It's just it's almost like the Chiefs where you go into a game and you go, man, if the Chiefs can just not beat themselves. Yeah. Like that's kind of how I view it with with KU and the turnover rate. Yeah. That's fair. I I'm I, I'm trying to think of of turnovers. And look, it's always easy when you're a team like you know, it's easy when when your team turns over the ball to to get mad at them making mistakes. It's harder to say, well, the defense just made a good play there. And I think every it, with the exception of just the positively stupid moves um any turnover is always a combination of good defense and 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 a maybe questionable or regretful decision on the offensive end so you always have to give credit to the def- to the defense but you do wonder how many of those um may have came from just questionable plays offensively um at least contributed to them and if KU can avoid those their, their turnover is going to be at least be lower. And I think then that comes down to, like you said, Remy's availability. And if he's not available, it comes to the performance of Joe Yesifu and uh, Dewan Harris, mostly Dewan Harris if, if Remy's not around, uh, Yesifu and uh, Bobby Pettiford. Well, that's the, the defense of Oklahoma and how well KU is able to get out in transition will be a key. Well, Oklahoma turns it over a lot on the offensive end. So that would make you think misses, that misses and turnovers lead to transition. Yes, buckets. it does. Um, now Oklahoma has actually done a good job. It's a transition defense this year. They don't allow a lot of teams to get in transition, but I think a big reason of that is less about, you know, um, I don't know the, the turnovers they have or the way they play defense. I think it has more to do with a scheme thing. They are just 270th in the country in offensive rebounding rate. I don't think that's a decision of, hey, we can't get offensive rebounds. I think it's more of a thing of, hey, let's just not send many numbers at the board. Let, yeah. let, let's bring it back. Get so back. from that standpoint, I don't it's know a, how many... Bayheim yes. I, I don't know how many transition opportunities there will be for Kansas off missed shots in this game, which maybe slows you down a little and, and makes the offense a little harder to come by. But the turnover one should be there. I'll Oklahoma say, is 318th in the country. They are ninth in conference play in turnover rate. They are ninth in conference play in getting the ball stolen from them. They are 321st in the country in getting the ball stolen from them. I'll say this also, if on the topic of those turnovers and fast breaks, one thing that KU has improved quite a bit about uh, with, and, and I'm, I'm particularly going with Remy and Dwan Harris, um, is their ability or their their willingness to pull back when they see, you know, you get excited at first, all right, great, here comes a fast break. They seem in the last few games to have a little more willingness to, and, and I hope this doesn't change, a willingness to say, well, okay, I thought we had a two-on-one, looks like now it's a two-on-three pullback, set the offense up. Yeah. KU has to score, though, in those opportunities in this game. They have to maybe not look like West Virginia where, they were unbelievable in transition play. Like, maybe you don't have to be that good, 
But you have to be a lot better than you were against Iowa State in that regard. You have to be better than you were against Texas Tech in that regard. And shots have to fall, too. Yeah, they, they do. That obviously loosens things up and, you know. I but. like, I'll say this, another thing I like about their fast break is they see, and I like them to do more of this, but they seem to be willing to actually shoot threes out of the fast break more, too, which is something I haven't seen a lot of with, with KU under Bill Self. It's not happening to the clip happening to the clip that I would like it to, um, but the fast break is a good chance to get open threes, and and they seem to be taking more advantage of that fact lately than they have in recent years. I feel like every Big Twelve game, I'm just looking at turnovers and and how you score on turnovers, who can get in transition, how they're leading to stops, can you put teams more in the half court defense like that. It's just been so prevalent so far in Big Twelve play, and it's going to be prevalent. Again, tonight um, with Oklahoma, you know, they're third in the country in two-point offense. KU at times has struggled with their two-point defense in the non-con, but so far in conference play, they've been really good at two-point defense. They have the number one two-point defense in conference-only games. Oklahoma in conference-only games has the number one two-point offense. So um, I think that very much will be the measure for me, and this all wraps around back to the conversation of the big man spot. Tanner Groves versus Dave. If Tanner Groves is pulling away Dave from the rim, all of a sudden there's more passing lanes open, there's more cutters open, and now that two-point defense that KU has is mitigated a bit. The two-point offense of Oklahoma is going up. But if KU is able to defend Tanner Groves or he's missing shots or they're getting lucky, whatever it is, then all of a sudden... You can see Oklahoma being more limited in the half court, turning it over more. KU gets more transition opportunities, more easy baskets. They're not having to go up against Oklahoma in the half court. That's how you win this game. I think a lot of it just straight up does come down to how are you defending Tanner Groves, not just in terms of what his individual output is, yeah, but how affecting him and how defending him is leaving you for defending the rest of the court. Yeah, and, and and I wonder how many of those turnovers uh, with with OU have come from teams being able to um, Tanner Groves stretching them a little bit, and teams not just preventing two point buckets from going in, but but stealing passes from Tanner Groves. Mm-hmm. It's a big or, game, or, big... or the player receiving those passes struggling to receive them. Yeah, so big one tonight for KU. Two on the road this week. Also, Baylor's on the road at West Virginia, and I just saw. Um, a report that James Akinjo, their starting point guard, is not spotted warming up. So, who knows? Maybe another opportunity for uh, KU tonight to take advantage of some other results around the Big 12. But they're just focused on themselves. All right, we're out early today at 4.30 for coverage of KU in Oklahoma. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. About half past three, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Okay, so uh, effective field goal percentage also looks like E field goal percentage or true shooting percentage. Those are basically metrics to take into account. Um, in the case of effective field goal percentage, your three-point attempts, it's basically field goals, and then you get 
um, plus 0.5 times three pointers divided by field goal attempts, right? So a three is obviously worth three points. A two is worth two points. So um, they should be valued differently because if you shoot 38% from three and those were all your shots and you were 38% of them field, it would look like you didn't have a very good shooting percentage from the field when in reality your points were worth more than somebody who shot 43% from the field, but they were all twos, right? Um, so basically it calculates that. And then true shooting percentage is basically a combination of field goal percentage, three-point percentage, three-point or free throw percentage, and basically it comes up with an efficiency there. Do you know... There's a player who is number one in both effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage. It's the same player. Mm -hmm. So far in conference, only games in the Big 12. He plays for Kansas. Do you know who it is? Well, um, I mean, the obvious one is Ochai Baji um, because he's the leading scorer. But maybe less buckets shot would be a better... You know, and he does take a lot of threes. It is not Ochai. Um, this is going to blow your mind. It is one Jalen Wilson. Really? So far through four conference. So how games. is that? Is it because on the times when he's shooting a lot of threes, he's canning them so well? So far, he is six of fifteen in conference play on threes. That's forty percent. Okay. And this will this will do it right here on two point shots. Jalen Wilson is thirteen of eighteen, which is seventy two percent. On twos. What was the game where he had... Didn't he have a conference game where he was like one for five or one for eight or something? So against Iowa State, he was two of six. He was two of three on twos, O oh of three from threes. West Virginia, seven of seven on twos, three of six on threes. Game. Texas Tech, three of three on twos, which is pretty crazy how well Tech defended on twos, but not Jalen Wilson, apparently. Three, five on threes. And then, yeah, the Oklahoma State game, he was one of five on twos, oh, one from three. So if we take had, that so game out. I was going to say, he was bad at least in one conference game. Like, flat bad. If, we, if you take that one out, oh he's, my he's amazing. Yeah, if we take out the Oklahoma State game on three-point shots, he's six of 14. So it's... It's almost you know, a 50%... Uh, base, yeah. Almost 50% shooting clip. And his two-point percentage is 12 of 13. Wow. He has missed one two-point shot the Oklahoma on State game, in the last the Oklahoma State game, he's, list, he's missed one two-point shot. That's that's crazy. And see, I think he And it's gives not you... an exceptionally... I mean, it's not a super high volume of shots, mm -hmm. but it's not a crazy... It's not like he's one for one or something. It's not an exceptionally low percentage of volume of shots either. Yeah, we went... I mean, it's been a roller coaster this year with Jalen. It was... He gets the DUI and then... Uh, misses the start of the season and then when he first came back it was like man I think this guy could be end up being one of the best players on the team and then it was such a slow start and it was like well just give it time and then we gave it time and then it just never got better and then finally we started to give up on it and he was he had the same true shooting percentage as, as Charlie Moore in his one season at Kansas that was yeah that was literally was what, what you were talking weeks about ago? going into I can't Two remember what ago? game it was. Was it the Nevada game? You brought that up the day of a game or the day before it a was, game. It was going into either the Oklahoma State game or Texas Tech game. So not that long ago. So it had a conference play. Okay. And now all of a sudden we're back to him being one of the best players on the team over this this recent stretch. Now it's a small sample with a certain amount of games and, and you need to see it over the long haul. Um, one thing that I found interesting though is how much better he has played as a starter than a reserve. And, and maybe this is, you know... There's correlation, causation, right? This could just be 
correlation because it could just be a correlation of he finally has found his rhythm. He finally, after the the weird start to the season, mm-hmm. has found his confidence and has found his game and is in the right rhythm here. And it just happens to coincide with now when he's starting more games. It's showing up. It could be causation. It could be, you know, now that he's starting more games, it's given him more confidence and and it's given him a better role. Or Self saw something in practice, knew this was coming, and decided to start him. And that'd be a little of both correlation and causation, to be honest. Um, But here is numbers as a starter versus a player coming off the bench. As a starter, obviously the minutes are more, so I'm I'm not really interested in that. Um, And clearly, like, total numbers, I'm not going to get into that either because again if you're playing more minutes you're going to put up more total numbers but just in terms of the efficiency as a score he has started four games he's shooting 58 percent from the field in those four games 32 percent from three 88 percent or i'm sorry 70 percent um from the foul line in his nine games as a player off the bench as a reserve Instead of 58% from the field, it's 37. Instead of 32% from three, it's 11. Instead of 88% or instead of 70% from the free throw line, it's 33%. It's almost an, an opposite of um, the the the, the uh, points per 40 minutes argument where everyone's like, this guy's got an incredible point points per 40 minutes. And other people will then say, okay, yeah, but there must be a reason for that because they're – there's a his numbers wouldn't be that if he was playing 40 minutes. Otherwise, the coach would play him 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of that. Yeah. It's 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 not his. Um, you know, his numbers are great in limited minutes, and so maybe you need to experiment with him playing more minutes. It's his numbers were terrible when he was getting limited minutes, and now he's getting more minutes, and for whatever reason. He's taken off, and again, we'll, you know, we both admitted this is this is small sample size, but I do go back to to the the Bill Self um, thought that that it maybe he saw something um, that said, you know, maybe he saw something even in spite of his performances in games where he went, this guy's close, yeah, and and if that's the case, you know, credit to Jalen for getting there, credit to Self for seeing it, um, you know, being done, but whatever happened. You know, if this continues, and I'm, you know, even if he doesn't continue as, as the most efficient uh, offensive player in the Big Twelve, even if it just it, it continues at him being really good, um, that's a remarkable and shocking stat. Yeah, well, it's like it's it's easy to with with a small sample size to like point to. Okay, well, in his games as a reserve, he's two of eighteen from three. As a starter, he's six of nineteen. Like, it's a big difference in percentage. It's it's over a twenty percent difference. But it's really only four made shots uh, over a, a such a small sample that you can just be like, okay, he just happened to get hot in those. Yeah, games. it could be. Yeah, but this this one doesn't make sense to me. Five of fifteen at the free throw line as a reserve. Seven of ten from the free throw line as a starter. To me, that tells me it is a confidence thing. It could. It be. is a confidence thing about being a starter. And being in there and and knowing that and and you know there was a quote from Bill Self at one of his pressers, I don't know a week or two ago. Somebody asked him asked him about um, you know does it affect guys to to maybe be a starter or not? And he was kind of talking. He's like, you know, I don't know how much it affects a guy like Dave, but maybe it affects a guy like Jalen more than I thought. Interesting. And, you know, just to. I kind of brushed it off in the moment like it, it is whatever. But looking back on that, looking at these stats now, I kind of wonder if that is the case. 
I really do. Because for a guy who started the season like it did, where he was coming into the year after he goes through the NBA draft process, he had a all, all Big 12 freshman season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes back this year after the draft process. This is what you need to improve. You come into the year thinking you're going to be one of the best players on the team, on one of the better teams in the country. And then you have that setback. You start then, off a year. Now look, let's let's call it what it is. It, yeah, a, a bad decision by yes, him. yeah, yeah. It's it's it was I mean, a setback it's, of it's his, his own, own yeah, doing. It, yeah. It was a setback of his own making. Correct. And then that doesn't mean he's a bad kid, but it was a setback of his own making. Well, and then you have kind of a, a rough first couple of games, and then it starts to snowball where you're sitting on the bench and you're going, "I have to play well to get into the starting lineup now because of the decision I made." And now you're pressing. Yeah. And now you're coming off the bench. You can't find your rhythm. You're pressing each time you miss a shot. And it just it snowballs. And then finally, you get in the starting lineup. And I wonder if that pressure goes away and the confidence just changes. And I wonder if as much as all that's a small sample size and it can be easily, you know, taken away that it's, like I said, just, just that, a small sample if size. If he has a bad week, it's back to normal. I kind of do think that there is something to that about the confidence. Yeah, I, it, it's entirely possible. And, and that the, the quote from Self is, is really interesting. Um, and, and maybe it could be something so simple as he finally, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, pressing because he was out of the starting lineup, but also, and maybe I, I don't, I maybe it's irresponsible of me. I, I don't want to play too much of the, the, you know, pretend psychiatrist, but maybe there is a level of embarrassment. Mm-hmm. from what happened with him, what he did in October. And he was thinking so much about that um, and 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 not moving on from it. Because it is difficult when you do something stupid, particularly if it affects other people. If it affects your family or your friends and they get caught up in your stupidity, you know, your stupid mistakes, um, it's hard to, to you know, you, you t- people tend to be the last ones to... to forgive themselves yeah. like it's easy it seems to be easier like if, if a friend messes up and, and then says sorry you, you forgive them and you move on it's harder to do that with yourself mm-hmm. and so i do wonder again i i, I have not spoken with jalen wilson once he, he was not at media days and so i haven't had the chance to interview him but it could be you know getting in the starting lineup and, and saying all right well i i have a great deal of confidence in what coach self tells me and he sees thinks I'm good enough to start, so I must be. Um, and then it could be also, okay, I'm done. I'm, I, maybe he's finally figured out a way to move on from whatever was bothering him. I'm actually interested in, in asking Bill Self about that next media availability if if he does see something there. Um, but I guess the, the further Excuse question me, Coach, this. Jalen sucked yeah. early on. He stopped sucking. Comment? <laughs> I, like, with Remy Martin possibly coming back maybe as soon as tonight, do you worry about taking Jalen out of the starting lineup? I, I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't be the guy that comes out of the starting lineup, but would you worry about that? Who would be the guy? I mean, if it's not Jalen, it'd have to be Dewan, right? Which, but I don't know if you do that. Again, I really like Dewan bringing mm-hmm. the ball up the floor. But again, as we've talked about, and I've said so many times that people probably hate me now for it, I do love that the KU has a player like Ochai who doubles as a – he's not a – I wouldn't want him to be the primary point guard – but I love having a guy who who can serve as your two guard, but is good enough to bring the ball up the floor um, when something's going on with your primary point guard. Maybe there's a press or something like that. Uh, so I think having Ochai gives them the opportunity to to do that. Um, but I mean, could it? You know what? Could it go back to um, 
self asks the the rest of the guys. So, I mean, we talked, you know, we we made the McCormick comparison to to Landon Lucas, and he said to the guys about you know who, who do you prefer, and they said we we seem to have a good rhythm with Landon, and so he started Landon Lucas in, in that 2015-16 season. Um, I, maybe he maybe self does that with the other players. Who 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 do you have better rhythm with Ocha or I mean um, Dewan or Remy? Yeah, I kind of wonder if Remy does play tonight, if it'll be off. I, I don't think it would necessarily be specifically because of this, but I do wonder if he would be off the bench at least I, well, to, I gotta, I mean, to work as, back into play, right? As adamant as self has been that rest has been needed for this bone bruise, I can't imagine he would want to bring him back. Because usually, I know, and, and self has said, and he said when he benched, um, or took, not benched, but took David McCormick out of the starting lineup, that he views minutes more valuable than people who st- than, than who your starting lineup is, and to to that point, he, even that night McCormick didn't start, but he still played quite a few more minutes than um, Mitch Lightfoot, who did start. So there's something to that. Um, but yeah, I I do wonder if if the minutes and the starting goes down for um, for Remy Martin, not not as any sort of punishment, but just you don't want to risk especially since inflammation has been a problem, um, the more activity you have on that joint, that knee, uh, the more inflammation it, you're, you're risking yourself. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. Depend on it. New segment alert here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Typically, we're going to do this the game after day or <laughs> the game after days, the day after a game, whether it's a Chiefs game or KU game or whatever. Yesterday we were pretty loaded. With Plus, the conversation. Derek just thought of this on the toilet last night, so there wasn't <laughs> a game to talk about. You know, it's some of the best thinking time. Um, I agree. So uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll rename it or something. Um, I just figured we'll call it unsung heroes. Um, so because we didn't do it yesterday, we didn't get a chance to do it for the KU game Saturday. In the win against West Virginia, we didn't get a chance to do it on after the game Sunday, obviously, either with the Chiefs win over the Steelers. So basically how this segment's going to work, we're each just going to pick an unsung hero of the game. And and what that means is, you know, you're not going to pick like Patrick Mahomes. Everybody knows Patrick Mahomes was the best player in the game, right, against the Steelers. Yep. But like a player who, you know, made a, a less known impact. And, and there is a bit of... um you know, uh, fuzzy lines for what the guidelines are here because it's not anything specific, and and you can make your own argument for whatever you want. Um, let's start with the KU game, just chronologically. That was the first game that was on Saturday. Again, taking down West Virginia. Okay, who was your unsung hero of the KU West Virginia game? Um, I'm trying to delay. You go first because I'm going to pull up the box score to refresh okay. my memory of the game. I think. Uh, you can't really go with like Jalen or Dave. Yeah, that I would agree Ochai. with that because they're kind of obvious and and they scored a heap. Yeah, um, I mean you you might be able to go with Christian because it was a lesser scoring game and he filled up the stat sheet. And if you want to make that argument, you can, but I wouldn't because he's expected to be one of your best players night in night out. I kind of want to go with Joe Yesifu. In fact, I will. Nobody's stopping me. You can't stop me. I'm going Joe Yesfu as my unsung hero from the Saturday KU West Virginia game because he didn't have a good shooting game at all. He was 05. 
He even got like an open three-point look. Um, yeah, just not a good shooting game for a guy who came in as like this point guard who's going to create for you, be able to score off the bounce and everything. And that hasn't really come together so far. But you were missing Remy Martin in that game against a team who pressured a lot, created a lot of turnovers. And you needed somebody to give Dewan Harris a breather and some time on the bench. And Joe Yesifu came in. Bobby Pettiford really struggled. You're kind of counting on Joe Yesifu at that point. And besides the shot making from just the, you know, getting the offense in the right position or um, getting the transition game going, he ended up with four assists. He could have had another one. There was like a blown layup by Christian Brown yep. on, on a really good outlet pass by him. And what he did in transition, what he did to allow you those minutes, I thought he was really good defensively as well. He really got his body up into whatever guy he was defending and uh, kind of made things difficult for him. So I'll go with Joe Yesfu because when he played his most important role too was in the first half. In the second half, you just blew them out of the water. But the first half, they were winning a good majority of that first half, and um, you ended up taking the lead late in the half, I believe. Joe Yesfu was a big reason why you were evil, even able to hang around there. Otherwise, maybe you're down more, and maybe that run in the second half is uh, a little bit different. I'm going to go, and this may be a little too easy, um, although I mean, we, there's only a limited number of players who even played double-digit minutes in this game. And maybe it's odd to, to pick a starter, but I, I Dewan Harris had five assists and didn't turn the ball over once. And I there I cannot find a stat. Maybe it's in in some of the more advanced categories, but on the box score where I'm looking, I cannot look at turnovers caused. But West Virginia as a team had twelve turnovers, and I'm thinking back, and I think Harris caused at least. Well, if you just look at his steal numbers alone. Two. So if you credit those, now look, steals can be funny because a guy can make the tip and the ball can wind up in another guy's hands. So the the the, the credit the guy credited for the steal didn't actually make the play. But if if you look at it that way, he had five assists, no turnovers, and if those steals are credited to him, then two forced turnovers. Um, and so that you know the he he one sixth of West Virginia's turnovers all game went to Dewan Harris. Um, so he's going to be mine again, very difficult to, he did miss his only free throw of the game three for five shooting though. He only put up six points, but you know, whatever. Um, again, difficult to make that argument for a starter, but the only other get yes, was the only non-starter who made much of an impact. Lightfoot was, you know, there he had two and two, but, uh, yes, was the only non-starter to play double digit minutes. So, um, it's a little tougher to find somebody. Yesifu's probably the right pick, um, but just in the spirit of picking somebody different, I, I'll say Dwan Harris for those reasons. Okay, so those are our KU Unsung Heroes. Uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. Um, Chiefs. This one's a little tougher because I, I, I think we could both agree if we want to count this guy, we would both just pick Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon. But right. Jarek McKinnon almost feels like picking Jalen Wilson. Yeah, in um in the case, it's like a a guy who you wouldn't like a a, he, a guy you wouldn't normally see make a huge impact did make a huge impact, but his impact was so huge you can't call it unsung. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. By the way, whenever Clyde Edwards-Alaire comes back, which could very well be this week, Chad McKinnon's still got to be the number one guy, right? 
I mean, he just I'm, he fits I'm, that offense. I'm so worried well. he won't be, and yes, yeah. he should, he needs to be. Yes, he just fits it so well, and I understand from like a. He also think, needs to be the final nail in the coffin for any argument against picking a damn running back in the first <laughs> round. Well, and I'll say this too: like I don't think you can go into a season saying Jet McKinnon's going to be our number one running back for 17 games because he's had such a bad injury history. But if you can put look how exactly. many. Put, then, but then, have him as one of your guys. Then get four Jarek McKinnons. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I mean. That's I, I, I wasn't arguing with your uh, the running back thing. And yeah. I, I know you weren't taking that way. But, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I just think he's more of a committee guy. But when he is healthy, he is perfect for this offense. Because the offensive line, as we've talked about many times, is a very good run-blocking offensive line. And with his speed, he can just burst through those holes. And that was something uh, we talked about a week or two ago. Like, Daniel Jeremiah, I remember at one point in the season, was like, if this was a a, a better running back or a more explosive running back, some of these 20-yard gains or 15-yard gains with Clyde Edwards-Alaire touchdowns, and we're, I think, seeing a little more of that explosiveness with Jet McKinnon. So if we can't pick him... I really... Uh, I... You, you, do you want to go first on this one again, or do you want me to? No, you can go for it. Okay, I, I this is maybe too obvious again. Um, I, I, but the thing is, I can't look back. I really wish I could picture. Um, Trey Smith was involved on a lot of those little uh, sweet plays. Yeah. Uh, the Jarek McKinnon racked up some of his receiving yards, but I'm going to go Byron Pringle. Um. He did have, he was targeted seven times. He only had five catches, so he wasn't perfect. Um, but you want to talk about an enormous impact. He had 37 yards receiving, but two touchdowns. So he really, he was very much um, impactful uh, in, in terms of the, you know, scoring. Uh, and, and so, you know, the, a lot of, it's kind of an example of a guy who didn't make I mean, he caught five. He caught five balls, but two of them put him in the end zone. So, um, they, if you just look at uh, performance to overall impact ratio, I'd say five catches to um, five catches to two touchdowns is a big deal. Okay, I'll go with another receiver, and his first touchdown was on third down too. So, you, if you know if that doesn't come together, then it's a field goal. Um, I'll take Demarcus Robinson, four catches for seventy six, and. People forget because of the fact that uh, they ended up having the sack and then the incompletion and then the Travis Kelsey 48-yard touchdown. But just to get them to midfield, they had a 27-yard pass to Demarcus Robinson. And that was on that that when they only had a few seconds left, and we were all kind of hoping, are they going to get a um, are they going to get a field goal out of this? And because of that great play, they wind up getting a touchdown. Yeah. And so, for that reason, he's the unsung hero of that drive, first of all. Also, those stats, I wanted very to, good. I, I wanted to say Nicole Hardman. The problem is... Um, he the, was in the, on the fumble play. Well, he was in on the fumble play, and um, his his probably most impactful play was immediately negated by the interception. Yes. Yeah, his biggest plays were probably... He had some good returns. They yeah. didn't score on anybody. Exactly. You know? So, that's, that's, that's frustrating. Yeah, I, I thought about the same thing. Um, but yeah, I'll go to Marcus Robinson. Had the play before the play, essentially. So, unsung yep. hero from that standpoint. And and he put him even deeper than that because wasn't there a hold right after his big catch? It was a sack. At least that's a what sack. Said Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was a sack. Orlando Brown got beat. And the guy got the sack. So he put him even deeper yeah. than, than they were on the Kelsey touchdown. 
All right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Uh, one hour down, two to go. No, actually, just kidding. 30 minutes there. to go. Yeah, one hour down, 30 minutes to go. We are out early today, 4.30. Sean Kellerman, David Lawrence will take over pregame at 4.30 here. The voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will be joined by Greg Gurley for tip-off at 6 o'clock. KU taking on Oklahoma in Norman tonight on both KLWN and our sister station over at 105.9 KISS and 105.9 KISSFM.com. But more RCST coming after this timeout. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 4 o'clock hour, FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. KU's lost three of the last four games in Norman. Um, now, obviously, a new coach with Porter Mosier, no longer is Lon Kruger there. There have been some frustrating losses in that span. The one that really comes to mind is the Udoka free throw game that was down in Norman with, with Trey Young there, but three of four. Oh, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a big week, though, for Oklahoma. Um, in terms of, and in the Big 12, with possibly altering the top of the league. Currently, Kansas sits in first in the Big 12. Obviously, Oklahoma home against KU tonight, so they can impact it there. Uh, Baylor uh, goes to Norman on Saturday. And currently, Oklahoma's 2-0 and at home. They're 0-3 on the road, so they've been a better home team like most teams are. They've been consistently surprising me that I haven't seen a number yet next to their team yet. Like They should be ranked. Well, uh, if they win both this week, they certainly will yeah. be. You know, if if they split, they might even be. Who knows? Um, it's it's quite the opportunity for Kansas and Baylor to get kind of one up on a, on the other. Like if if Kansas loses tonight and then Baylor wins in Norman, yeah, 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 that's a nice little. Uh, nugget to have if if you're a bear well um, and then, yeah and then you, the flip side right you would, you would end the week at the very least tied with kansas mm-hmm. so oklahoma's gonna have a, a big hand in that um but anyway we talked more about the game in the open so i, I want to get to the picks now kansas is is minus three and a half the over under is 142 and a half what's ken palm say it should be um don't worry if you it, I put you on the spot, but if you don't have no, you're it, that's fine. fine. Ken Palm says uh Kansas seventy six seventy two. So that would clearly be the over. Barely, though, right? Well it'd be you the over three, by like I, six points. Or no, I'm I meant the, the, the spread. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, spread yeah. the spread spread. Yeah, the spread it'd be barely Kansas. Um so we're just picking. Uh I think Kansas wins. What's the uh, over under one forty? 142? 142 and a half. Okay. I'm actually leaning under. I'm thinking it's like a 70, 68, 69, 68 sort of game. I, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much about previous games and, and like the Iowa State game and not thinking much about enough about how many games KU scored in the 70s and 80s. But the Big 12 has seemed to really pull Kansas back from their offensive ways. So I'm going to say, yeah, it, it stays in the, 70s or it stays at max at 70 i think the winner hits 70 um but i'm going to take ku and the and um so i guess it would be oklahoma plus the points and the under but i'm going to pick ku by a couple 
I mean, if I'm I'm just looking at all the Big Twelve games KU's played in, the only one that there's been a total of a hundred and forty two and a half scored that it would be over in a KU game this year was the West Virginia game. And that took KU scoring eighty three. Yeah, or eighty five. And, and even then yeah. it wasn't very much over. Yeah. It was 144. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it certainly wasn't a, it wasn't, you know, it, it didn't bust that number. No. So, like, part of me wants to take the over because of the fact that I think Tanner Groves, as he showed, can be a bad matchup for David McCormick uh, with the way he can stretch the three ball. Did but McCormick also, play that game? Yeah, but also David. It was David, also post-COVID. Yeah, it was, just, it was first game back, so who knows? It could be different. But also, David McCormick proved to be a bad matchup for Tanner Groves. Yeah. Tanner Groves couldn't defend him inside. What was that game? 90 to 93-84? 84 yeah. yeah. Um, so, that makes me think over. And then, even though Oklahoma has a good defense, if you look at just the conference numbers, which, small sample size, it's four games for Kansas, five for Oklahoma. In conference games only, Kansas is the number one offense and Oklahoma is the 10th best defense. So that would tell you over. But, again, with all those low totals, I'm expecting the Oklahoma defense to play well today. Uh, I'll take the under. I think I'm going to take Oklahoma plus the three and a half. I think this is going to be a game where if Kansas wins, it's going to come down to the final possession. So we're we're on the exact same side of this. Yeah. You want to put a, a point, like a score out there? I'm going to stick with um, 70 to 68 Kansas. I'll go just to be the, the price is right jerk who gets closer to the uh, over. I'll go... Uh, you know what? I don't know. I kind of have a weird feeling Oklahoma's going to win tonight. They could. I mean, that wouldn't be a shock. I don't want to be a downer, but. Well, but it's a, it's a tough. It, again, it goes back to Texas Tech. Texas Tech's mm-hmm. better than Oklahoma, but this is still, this is a tournament team on the road. Right. You're going to lose road games. By the way, I totally forgot. If 13 and 5 wins this conference, then this is a losable game. Yeah. Alston Mason, uh, I don't know how much he plays per game for Oklahoma, but he has played this year. To some extent, um, he uh, oh looks like he's been playing. I don't know at the beginning of the season, like fifteen minutes a game. Hasn't been playing lately, but anyway, he uh, went to Blue Valley Northwest, former uh, school of Christian Brown. I don't know if they ever played together. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go Oklahoma seventy-one sixty-nine. Okay, so we're in the same yeah general ballpark. vicinity mm-hmm. score and result. You've just got Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and look, we're not going to come back. It's not going to be devastating if Oklahoma wins this game by a couple no, of points. No, no, it is not. It'll be frustrating because yeah, it's it'll annoying be frustrating. To lose, and it also with Baylor losing twice at home last this week. This is a big it chance to an opportunity. Exactly. This this week is a huge opportunity, especially for with that tough stretch coming up. But we just talked yesterday about the possibility of going one and one this week. And you actually said out loud yesterday on the show, yeah. you think KU goes one and one this week. Yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. It just creates more margin for error or, or creates less margin yeah. for error moving forward into that hard stretch. And on Saturday when you're at Kansas State, because at that point, then you're saying, okay, we can't lose another one on the road. So yeah. um, if KU comes out of this week five and one in conference, to play with with Baylor already at two losses. That's big. Yeah, I think more is, is, is to be gained out of a win than is to be lost out of a loss. I know that, that I agree. Sounds totally. stupid, but I think that's the case. Think I think it. that's also the case with almost every conference road mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I think you're right. You're almost playing with house money a lot of times. Okay, with Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Let's get on to our Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk coming up next on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We are just minutes away from. Moving out of the way for pregame coverage, Sean Kellerman, David Lawrence. We'll have your pregame covered here 
on the Jayhawk Radio Network as we take their coverage, as always, here on KLWN, KLWN.com, and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, and then that'll lead into tip-off with Brian Haney, Greg Gurley on the call at 6 o'clock for KU on the road against a good little Oklahoma team. On to Rock Chalk Pickahawk. I am 4-3. and three. Adam has won three of the last four, so he's charging on. Mm-hmm. And you just demolished me. And, yeah, in my three wins, they're yeah. they're enormous wins. Yeah, it's uh, you're basically it's like the Bills Patriots. Like the Bills just crushed the Patriots this week. Uh, the time they played in Foxborough, the Bills won by multiple scores. I think it was like eleven points or something. Yeah, and, but the one Patriots win was like by the thinnest of margins yeah. in a really weird game. I'm the Patriots here. You are the Bills. I about doubled you up last time. I think you Curse, almost tripled me up. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I think J- no Jalen and yes. Dave alone they almost doubled almost doubled yeah. you up. So, well, um, I'm not expecting anybody to do that. No, in that this would game. be. But I, I tell you what, it, it'd be fun. I if mean, they I would did, think that's a good good yes. sign for the Jayhawks. If one of those players does, then yeah, I, I agree with you. That probably is a good sign that things went well for KU, and that probably means they scored a lot of points and against a good Oklahoma defense. That. Uh, you know, again, would be a good sign. Um, so I have the first pick this week. You had the first pick pick last week. I was actually doing some math um, before the show, trying to because we, I don't know, at the beginning of this, we Ochag Baji would be the common number one pick. Yeah, and then we kind of transitioned into this with Christian Brown just filling up the stat sheet. Christian has been the popular number yeah, one yeah, pick because he, he's not. He hasn't been scoring. Now his scoring's actually been way down lately. Mm-hmm. But the the common thought was, well, he may not get the 20 that Ochai is going to get, but he may get 16, mm-hmm. and he's going to fill up the stat sheet in other places. Lately, it's been more like 10, but he's still filling up the stat sheet. Yeah, he's averaging five less a game than Ochai. Um, the shooting percentages are about equal, though Christian takes less, so you're you're losing less there. And, and we don't have like a multiplier for three-point percentage, which would be the advantage for Ochai. And Christian's a better free-throw shooter. And you're also... Uh, not getting to the line as much with Christian. No, I take that back. Christian's been to the line seven more times, but he's shooting 81%. Ochai's at 74%. So you're not getting as many deductions there. Christian's averaging more rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. So um, I actually totaled it up because I was just curious. Are we just taking Christian because we're assuming the stat stuffing is leading to more points or is it actually leading to more points? Well, I don't know about, like you said, over this recent stretch, he, he struggled a little shooting the ball and... I actually, in totaling this up, found out that over the course of the season, Christian Brown basically is averaging about 33 of our Rock Chalk Pickahawk points per game. Ochai is averaging about 27. So Christian, I is want the everybody to right know that just before this segment, he was doing this math, eating some cookies, <laughs> and, and totaling these up. So these are these are hot. Yeah. These uh-huh. are fresh off the press numbers. Yes, I. Uh, I'm an, I'm an eight-year-old who came home, sat at the kitchen table, started pulling out my math homework with my mom helping me with my multiplication tables, eating my cookies. And but life I figured was it out. good. It was good. Okay, so anyway, that, the, the, the short end of the story there, I'm taking Christian Brown with the number one pick in this draft. I will take Ochai. Easy pick. And I will... Um I'm going to have some faith and say that Dave makes it two in a row. I don't know if 19 and 15 is coming down the pike again, but... If Ochai scores his normal 20 to 22 and Dave is somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 and 8, I'll take that. Yeah, the the rebounds is is the thing that has made him even when he's struggled, 
Like when he has games where he's only playing 10 minutes, that's that's another situation. But even if he gets you four rebounds, like he's going to get you positive points. Because to remind everybody, rebound is two too. points. Yeah. And, and, the, and the block is three. three. So did you know Dave is number one in the country right now in offensive rebound rate? Really? Not like offensive rebound total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rate. But as far as opponent or uh, team misses that he gathers back. Which is crazy because Oscar Shibwe is averaging 15 rebounds per game, but I guess he's on the floor 30, 35 minutes a game, whereas Dave's only on the floor for 18 and a half. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. There's It's also the percentage of missed shots and everything. But that that's pretty insane how good Dave has been as an offensive rebounder this year. And, and certainly the West Virginia game was a big conclusion of that. Okay. So I have back-to-back picks now. You got Ochai and Dave. I'll go Jalen Wilson at number four. I think he started to really emerge as the clear number four pick, at least right now with Remy Martin, that whole situation, not mm-hmm. really knowing um, how much is he going to play, is he going to play, all those different things. Uh, so I'll go Jalen Wilson, and, and he has the benefit of you get a lot of rebounds from Jalen as well. Now, how efficient he is offensively, if he's making shots, that'll be a big key to whether it's like a, a he, big game for Jalen. Exactly. He's an, he's another guy that you could – and we actually talked yesterday about how big it was that he – this was in the realm of um, – in, in the discussion of what about Remy and, and how long might he be out. And we talked about how big it was for Dave to have multiple games like he's had. But we also – Jalen. Jalen's two of his last three games, he's been very good. Yeah, he has. So I'll, I'll bank on. But he's another guy. Hmm. You brought up Dave. You want to talk about a guy in Jalen who, you even if, if he wasn't scoring, he wasn't losing his motor, and you could still, he may only get you two points from a scoring standpoint, but he's going to grab 10 rebounds. Yeah. The scare for me is that, like the Tech game, he scored 20, but he only had two rebounds. What if he has a game where he only has two rebounds and he goes 0 of 5 shooting? Yeah. But again, I, I, I like the floor there with those rebounds. I do think they'll come. Um, so I'll take Jalen. And then I have another pick. Yep. Um, hmm. I guess I'll go Dewan Harris here. Um, Dewan's just kind of the safe pick in the Rock Chalk Pick Hawk because he's going to be out there a yeah, good amount of time. Yeah, he's going to get minutes. Yeah, and, and that's a big piece of this. He's going to total, like, he's not going to total 10 assists, most likely, but he's probably going to get three to five. He's probably going to get four to six points. Probably going to get a rebound or two. Probably going to get a steal or two. He's not going to miss a lot of shots. It's a safe pick in the third round. I'm happy and, with it. I mean, five assists is better than somebody yeah. who gets, you know, is, is better than somebody who gets 10 points on, you know, three of 12 shooting. Right. You know, inefficient shooting matters a lot in this game. Well, like, even so. Jalen Coleman-Lance could come off the bench and score 10 points on four shots yeah. where he missed two, and that's still eight points. Five assists is worth 10. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, funny you should mention him. He's not going to be my next pick, but I have two. Your next next pick. So, uh, yes, my next pick is going to be, um, oh, man, where do I go? I mean, you got Mitch Lightfoot on yeah, the board. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to do because I'm just I'm going to use that. We we called it big man insurance earlier, and I'm going to use that. I'm going to say Lightfoot gets some gets some run. He's struggled lately, um, but I am going to use you know if if the combination of Lightfoot and and, and um, McCormick gets that twenty and eight or twenty and no twenty and twelve that self is looking for, then those two will at least combine for some for some numbers for me. And then yeah, Jalen Coleman lands again. He's the he's a guy you look at and go, well, maybe there's a, an opportunity for him to come off as a sniper. 
Um, you don't expect him to score 20 like he did against George Mason, but he, if he goes three for four, you know, from three and, and adds a couple free throws, then you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, I, so, okay, we did five rounds last week. Normally we do four. Do you just want to do five again because we have the players and, and we'll just balance it out from last week? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I'll have two picks here and then you'll have your last one. Um, Man, this is tough because K.J. Adams started a couple games ago, but then he only plays seven minutes in the West Virginia game. But still, you know, you could convince yourself he plays five to ten minutes or something like that. Um, Bobby Pettiford has been playing. Like, even in games where he's been, he's been, he was really bad last week um, between the two games. And again, I, I'm still really high on him long term. And as Bill Self said in the post game, like it's not really his fault. He's yeah, so half practice. hour to practice yeah. or something. So I, I'm not blaming him or anything. Um, but even in games, he's been really bad. He's gotten a lot of minutes, right? Are you at a point where so if he plays well, how many minutes is he playing? Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm I'm curious. And this is somewhat off off topic. And, and I know that this segment needs to be a quick one. Mm -hmm. But I am curious on the topic of Bobby Pettiford. We would both agree because. No matter, like, we're high on him no matter what he does this year, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I long term, so. I, like, I really think this kid's going to be something. He really does. Now, the more time that goes seeing less, kind of okay, maybe not. But since it's been injuries and, and COVID that's kept him off the court, I still, long term, I, I, I'm, I think we're both high on this kid no matter really what he does this year. Yeah. He, um, I, <laughs> It's dangerous when we compare players to like former All Americans, let alone guys who uh, won big awards like national players. But he's a lot here. like Wilt Chamberlain. Um, yeah, <laughs> plays just he's like a mix of T. Rob, Paul Pierce, Ben McLemore. No, Wilt um, Chamberlain. <laughs> plus but, Michael Jordan. Had he come here? Yeah, but there is like a little bit of his game that reminds me of Frank Mason. Now, Frank Mason wasn't a very good three point shooter as a freshman, and that developed. Really well. He shot 47% on almost five threes a game by the time he was a senior, and he was efficient at it in limited attempts his sophomore and junior year. But even then, he was still at 33% his freshman year when, again, like I said, that was like a, a quote-unquote weakness to his game. So far, Bobby Pettiford's yet to hit a three this year. Yeah. So it's like a weakness that's even more weak than Frank. But a lot of what they do in terms of being a good driver, being able to, once you get a guy on your hip, keep him there. Yes. And being able to drive and kick. A lot of those things, being a strong guard who's not tall, but you're like but strong. And, and, and the compact and the compactness of, and that, that, that center of gravity. Mm -hmm. You know who it reminds me a lot of in, in obviously a very different sport, but um, Darren Sproles. Like yeah. so much of his, so much of his ability to cut balance. one where in balance came from a low center of gravity, mm -hmm. um, and and you see that with these guys, yeah. you see that with Bobby Pettiford. He, he look, he's got to develop, he's got to put in the work that Frank Mason put in, but you see, you see moments where you're like, okay, if this kid is willing to put in the work, yeah, there's really something to. Well, yeah, kid. if if we were to give like a lineup projection for for next season this early on. I'd probably have Bobby in there. I'd have Bobby and Dewan as the two guards. Yeah, you know? I would. I would agree. He'd have to again. He, he has work to do. But I, if he's willing to to do that work, and and he's playing for a coach who historically has done a really good job developing guards. So I guess my resolution is I'll take Bobby Pettiford because, like I said, he played bad last week and he still played ten minutes a game. Yeah. So if he plays good, maybe it's fifteen. So I'll take Bobby, and then uh, I'll just go with the last pick. I'll just take the risk on it. Might get a zero. 
But I don't know. If if I gun to my head, if somebody's like, is Remy Martin playing or not? I don't know. I'll just guess he played. He practiced the game or the day before the game last week. Seemed like he was close to playing, but he didn't end up playing. Now it's a few extra days. I'll just take a guess he plays, even though I, I have no idea if he does or not. Um, I'll just take the risk because it's the last round of the draft. Um, so you could go KJ Adams. You yeah, could go. I'm assuming Zach Clements is still hurt. Um, you could go. Uh, yeah, because uh, self, self said week to week. On yeah. Um, Most I'm, likely Adams or Yesifu. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go the risk. I'm gonna go the opposite side of the risk you just took and mm-hmm. take Yesifu. Because I don't know that Remy's playing. He's coming off one I of think, his better games. I think it's better for the team if Remy plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, as a KU fan, I would prefer Remy plays. But from the standpoint of Rock Chalk Pickhawk strategy, I'll take Joe Yesifu. Um, but mainly because I already have two big men, and I, I you know, KJ could play, but I, I'm gonna, I'll go with Joe Yesifu. Yeah, well, I mean, Remy could play, but Joe could still get minutes if, yeah. if Mitch and Dave take up the full forty. KJ ain't playing, right? So. Uh, I, I, I guess that might not be true. KJ played next to Mitch a little bit in the West Virginia game, but I'm not really expecting that to happen. Although, who knows? Maybe KJ is a good matchup if Tanner Groves is just splashing threes on the KU Bigs all day. We'll find out. Which we're familiar with. Yes, we are, and not to a very fun extent. All right, with Adam Gravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. That's going to do it for this edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk Short Show today. We're out early to scoot over for pregame coverage. KU taking on Oklahoma at 6. Pregame starts at 4.30 here on KLWN, klwn.com, and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. We'll be back tomorrow to recap whatever happens. Enjoy. Have a good one. Talk to you later.